Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. All right, just before the kids go out, uh, that, that's a precursor to what I want to talk about tonight because I want to talk about the chains of freedom. Um, also, as you can see, we're trying to make the best of uh, all the weirdness of this present time, so... Um, you know, those guys, thank you for being here, and guys in the balcony, find your own space. We're just very happy for you to do whatever you need to do at this time, and, uh, you know, feel comfortable. Also, we wanted to give the kids a bit of a blowout uh, today, so we've been talking about, you know, who we have to bring in or don't bring in in the week to get ready for what we normally do, so uh, we've decided that I've, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit longer tonight, not too long. Um, but a little longer, uh, and then the kids will go out. Also, um, just want to uh, mention uh, Betty Wright. Betty's probably uh, struggled the most um, physically and personally in, in all of this shutdown, so please remember Betty in your prayers. She's a sweetheart, and I know Alison's um, uh, given her a lot of attention to help her, but we do pray for Betty that uh, it'd be nice to see her back, wouldn't it? So we pray health and strength um, on Betty as well. Um, also, it's interesting, you know, as, as our own sensitivity or attempted sensitivity to someone other than ourselves gets alerted at times like this. I don't know if you've picked up, but there's a lot of talk suddenly shot through the cracks about the Uyghur Muslims in, in uh, northwest China. There are approximately 10 million of, the, million of them, and they have and are still suffering terrible persecution, uh, dragged off and thrown into camps. I think one of the saddest things is that the, um, the Islamic nations are saying nothing about it. And that saddens me. But we, we raise their name today that you might care and that you might pray and that we might be concerned about all of humanity, yes. that life and peace, because that's where I want to talk a little bit about freedom tonight. Also, um, I probably pray less now than I've ever done in, in my life. Well, in fact, probably is silly. That, that, that kind of makes it sound as though I struggle with it. I pray much less now in the way that you would understand prayer, simply because I have fully come to the understanding that the divine presence of God is with us constantly, permanently, it is present, it is gracious, it is the loving presence that God himself is. And so, yeah, there are conversations take place. Um, I talk to God, I speak out my mind. Um, but the days of kind of feeling somehow I have to ask God to involve himself because somehow he couldn't be bothered or he's somewhere out in the nether regions of long gone because he's present. And here's what I, one of the things I based it on is one of, of David's Psalms says, where can I go from your presence? 
If I go to the heights of heaven, behold, you are there. If I go to the depths of the grave, behold, you are there. Where can I go from your presence? David's revelation was that if I'm up there in the heavenly places, God is there because I'm there. And if I'm down in the pit, in the death places, God is there because I'm there. So I propose to you that God is here because we're here. And the divine presence is there. So Father, we thank you for your presence and pray that as we uh, just listen tonight that something will go deeper than just our intellect and touches and changes. And we pray, touch on Betty today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, you can go for your blowout uh, life zone in the back. Thanks, guys, for looking after them as well. And uh, we'll have a little while talking in here. French, French philosopher uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, um, round about the time of the French Revolution, and uh, certainly at the time of what we know as the Enlightenment in Europe, um, wrote a tremendous uh, sentence, and his sentence was, man is born free, yet everywhere he is in chains. Now, Rousseau had a particular um, a particular context for that in uh, what was the emerging process of capitalism at the time, believe it or not, in the 1700s, uh, and also the circumstances in France that were uh, leading up to the French Revolution. And of course, like I've said, this thing that was happening in the thinking in Europe of the Enlightenment. Um, but I think this, this statement is tremendous, and I think it... Uh, it slides itself beautifully into several areas of thought. Man is born free, and yet everywhere he is in chains. Um, freedom is probably the most difficult circumstance to manage of any that we ever find ourselves in. As human beings, we love freedom, but we don't really, in all honesty, quite know what to do with it. Isn't it interesting that in what we call the free world, how much disquiet, political conflict, economic upheavals, personal battles, nationalistic tendencies, all occur in what we call the free world. Because freedom is a difficult thing to deal with. Now I raise this because... We can look at situations now like, for example, there are little minor issues on freedom in the whole thing that we have faced with the coronavirus, with COVID-19, uh, in being told what you must do and what you mustn't do and what you can and what you can't do and how you have to do it and for how long. And of course, our most recent one is, is masks in shops and all that kind of stuff. Now, whatever your particular view on all of that... And let's bear in mind, a point of view is a view from a point. So all of us need to understand our point of view is a view from a point, okay? Just bear that in mind before you begin conversation, hopefully, uh, about all of this stuff. But what it has brought to light very much is, is that um, uh, we may be born free, but we're still in chains. And I think, sadly, this, this truth is also pervaded the development of the Christian gospel across the whole of Christendom where 
Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And we're going to talk about some of that freedom that's talked about. And yet we have found ourselves in a developed belief system that is anything but free for the most part. Mostly it uses the same methods that I've told you. We are, we are in the grip of religion at the moment, but the religion is based around things like a pandemic, racial issues, elections, whether to stay in or stay out of whatever it is you want to stay in or stay out of. And all of those elements have brought to the fore something very familiar from, with me for all my life, which is how religion works. And the sad thing, once those things become a religion, then control and manipulation becomes the tool by which you try to get the converts to accept and believe, and then you run a process of reward and punishment and in all honesty, the whole system, the one thing it lacks most of all is love. I can't love you because you think differently to me. You can't love me because I think differently to you. I read this newspaper, so you can't love me because I read that newspaper, but I can't love you because you belong to that little uh, off off, off, offshoot of political parties and so what we find is whether we call ourselves Christian or whatever we find ourselves in the grip of religious thinking that's why love should always be at the centre and that's also why forgiveness has become very unpopular at the moment and yet at the core of the gospel is love and forgiveness in the context of God towards us, in the context of should be us towards one another. So, so we may be born free, but everywhere we find ourselves in chains. I think we've also created for ourselves the illusion that freedom creates better people. Oh, if only we freed them from this or freed them from that. Uh, they would be better people. But I would beg to differ, uh, talking from history and personal experience, and I could also talk from Scripture on that, and maybe will. So, so, so we, we've created for ourselves this illusion that, that freedom creates better people. Or maybe we haven't. Because just like most religious thinking, we have become confused. We've become contradictory. So, so freedom... Freedom creates better people except for some people that shouldn't be told that they're free because they'll never be better people because we've already judged them. But if we bring freedom to this race or this colour or, or this conviction, that's good, but we can't bring freedom to this colour and this conviction and this political persuasion. So we have this contradiction that we think freedom, we want freedom for those who we think will be bettered. But meanwhile, we don't want freedom for anybody else. But if freedom creates better people, then we should have freedom for all people. Or, or, or maybe the question would be, what would, do we define as freedom? D do we mean the release to think, say, and do whatever we want without consideration or restraint. Now notice I didn't use without condemnation and judgment, which is what you would have got 15 years ago. 
I use the words consideration or restraint because uh, I don't think God's as bad towards us as we have made him to be. I think the problem is we see God through our eyes and then we superimpose onto God how we see people and think that's how God will also see those people. But the truth is we have to look at the whole issue of is it about thinking, saying and doing whatever we want without consideration or restraint? Is that really freedom? So the illusion is that freedom makes people better people. It doesn't. Freedom just makes people free people. And I'm for freedom. We, we have sought, uh, much to my pain a lot of the time, to preach an undiluted message of freedom in the journey of this house. But you see, it's what we then do with that freedom that determines whether we become better people. Not whether we have freedom, but what we do with that freedom. Much like in Braveheart and William Wallace, when he is talking to the Scots before the battle and says to them, you know, do you want to be free men? The question is, you're now free, but what will you do with that freedom? So the question is not whether we have freedom because we can then get misdirected thinking if we just free everybody or we just free everything, the world will be a better place and people will be a better place. Not true. It's what we do with that freedom that really determines whether we become better people. Freedom is not just about oppression. It's equally about impression because you see, if you get rid of oppression without the right impression, you will go straight back into oppression. So when we're looking at some of the more complex issues of the world, and some of them have come up at this time, some of the complex issues of race and, and people and politics, some complex issues, the truth is that it's not just about oppression, it's also about impression. If you don't have the right impression to replace the oppression, you simply go back into oppression or, here's the worst thing, you become the oppressor. So the oppressor, the oppressed, becomes the oppressor, and the oppressor comes be, becomes the oppressed. The master becomes the slave, and the slave becomes the master. And unfortunately, in our world, if we don't have a sense of spirit within that binary thinking of right and wrong and good and evil, all we're doing is flipping the thing over. From one power that doesn't help to another power that doesn't help. So the question is, if we're going to talk about freedom from oppression, slavery, um, and all the things that go with all the, you know, the, the, the oppressive state discrimination, sexual, racial, all, all the things, that, if we're going to talk about that, we also have to say, but what is the impression that we want to release to stop the oppression going back to oppression. See, if freedom is only based on righting wrongs, we can be in danger of doing wrong in our writing. Because we just flip from extreme to extreme to extreme. And, and it's not pop. It's, it, it, there's another thing that strikes me as strange is that Martin Luther King, who I think was an incredible man, um, who, who said, 
amazing things into the segregation issue in America. But you see, the basis of it was nonviolence, love, and forgiveness. Um, um, Nelson Mandela, the basis of his answer to oppression was forgiveness, not retribution. That's become a little bit unpopular. And I understand why, because sometimes the frustration of getting a point across could lead us in that frustration then to want to go to steps that ultimately, although we use those methods, work against the healing that's necessary to fully make the thing whole and bring the proper kind of freedom. If you don't understand the spirit of freedom, you'll struggle to understand the working of freedom. See, freedom's more than just releasing somebody from a contract. Uh, having spent a lot of time in the US and, and, and uh, friends out there I've talked to at great length because um, they come from slave stock. I mean, it's not just, I mean, they, they pull out the books. I have these ancient uh, uh, pictures, some of those very old pictures that were touched up then with like charcoal. And it's just, I just love it, it's wonderful. But I, as I have talked to them, you realize that, that the whole issue of emancipation in the US should have meant that freedom came to everybody who was in slavery right from the Civil War and, and emancipation. But then you find all the way through to the 1960s, you've still got the race riots because it hasn't worked. There's still segregation in the South. It hasn't worked. Do you want to know why? Because, because, because they didn't catch the spirit of freedom. They, they, they only caught the working of freedom. And that becomes a technicality. And it has no heart in it. I think Martin Luther King brought some heart. I think Jesus, when he came into the issue of a Roman-occupied Israel, came into Judea, and he didn't just bring the working of freedom, he brought the spirit of freedom. And, and the problem is that why sometimes people rejected him is because they only saw the working of freedom, free us from the Romans, not the spirit of freedom that would free them as individuals and people so that their, their freedom would go beyond the occupation of anybody who came into their land. So we need to understand more than the working of freedom. Even in our attempts to bring freedom, we need to understand the spirit of freedom because when people catch the spirit of freedom, something happens that's miraculous. So what was Paul, the apostle, trying to convey when he wrote what we know as Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1? This is what he said. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, now I, have, I have always found that a strange statement. It's a bit of an oxymoron because are we free or are we not free? Why not just say, Christ set you free? Because Paul understands in this understanding of freedom, it's a lot more complex. So he said, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. His point being that you can be technically free. You can be linguistically free. You can be practically free. 
but not know what it is to truly have freedom. But he said, but it is for freedom that Christ set us free. What he's done, he's brought us from not just the the activity of freedom, but the spirit of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So, So there's something in this Christ spirit which transcends time and all things and we experience personally in the body of Jesus something transcendent in this whole thing that is all about freedom being understood as what it is. Not just being free, but having freedom in being free. It is for freedom that Christ sets us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, I I like what the New King James uh, does with that translation. It uses a wonderful word because it says, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, I really like that. I think it's great. Now, let let me just qualify first before we go any further, especially for those of you like me who were raised in this, my people. Galatians 5 verse 1 is not about freedom from sin. It's got nothing to do with freedom from sin and yet the majority of times you see it applied so often from the pulpit, it will be implied or applied to being free from sin. It is for freedom Christ set us free. Well, it's not about freedom from sin. If the issue is not freedom from sin then, the, the question is, is it freedom from what? And Paul goes on to talk about how the religious heritage of these people, in the context of particularly for them of the Jewish rite of circumcision, had begun to get a hold of them. So although they were free in one sense, they weren't free because they were still felt bound up by all these obligations and, and, and necessities and commitments. So they couldn't be free, actually. They couldn't even be free to love properly. Because while ever you felt we're free, we're loved by God, we know that we're one with him, but you held some of these traditions and rights, you weren't free to love everybody. You couldn't, for those of you who understand, you couldn't properly love a Gentile and enter his house if you bought into all this stuff. You had to be a freedom, not just be free. But I like this freedom from getting tangled up. See, it's not difficult to become entangled within the attempt to live out our lives. Most of us, if we're honest, have at best a little bit of a tangle. Some of us have a complete tangled mess. And I wish there were some others here who I feel this word would really help to listen to this, but I appreciate you listening online. Get a hold of this, because part of our process here is to understand the freedom we want to bring you brings us from that entanglement that we have, where for those of you raised in church, it's an entanglement with the traditions of the past and the, the condemnations and the judgments and the expectations and the requirement and the pain and the using. For those of you who weren't raised in church, it's still the entanglement of how we get to grips from where we are with the divine presence, 
with what it means to be in Christ and of Christ and through Christ and how that affects our lives and how we live and how it impacts how we see everything, I might be God. See, it's not difficult for us to become entangled. And if we look at our lives, Paul's talking to us. He's saying part of that entanglement is because you've not understood the spirit of freedom. And if you catch the spirit of freedom, what that will loose you from will allow those entanglements start to become unraveled, not your life to become unraveled. Although it will feel like your life is becoming unraveled. When all the stuff you've been entangled in starts to come unraveled because what you've got to realize is we're in slavery to a lot of things. Ways of being, ways of thinking, ways of seeing the world and we are in slavery to that. And Paul rightly connects all of this entanglement to the condition of slavery, which is where most of us finish up in one form or another. In my own upbringing, I thought I was free, but it took a while for me to realize I was actually in slavery because I was so entangled in self-righteousness and judgments and the scary God and hell and avoiding. And I, was in it, I was in an entanglement. It was a slavery, but this freedom sets us free from all of that. The worst and probably the longest lasting form of slavery is the one that you blend into. It's the one that you didn't realize you were in it until you could argue it's too late. You ever heard the story of the frog in the kettle? If you try to put a frog in a boiling kettle, it will fight you because it can feel the heat and it doesn't want its butt burning and it realizes death is coming and you cannot put a frog in a boiling kettle. It's a slippery thing that will escape. But if you put a frog in cold water, I haven't done this experiment myself, incidentally, if any of you worry, okay? Please don't go home and try this at home. Not with any creature or animal at home. <clears throat> but this is actually true. If you put a frog in cold water and then you begin to heat up the water, the frog will stay in the water until it boils to death. That's the worst kind of slavery. And a lot of the issues of our life is because we kind of blended into where it is that we got to and we can't specifically put our finger on a date or a time or a place, but somehow we look and we don't like where we are and we think, how did I get here? Well, it all started in the cold water when things were fine, but we stayed too long and we hung around in that place and somehow we find ourselves like the frogging of the kettle. Now, that's the story of the children of Israel in Egypt. Can't go into it tonight, but they were not taken captive by a foreign army into Egypt. They went into the cold water of Egypt at a time when it was really good, and then the water started to heat up, and they were still there when it boiled, and then they were stuck. There's so many things that we could learn from the writers of Israel's story of 430 years in slavery that would be meaningful to us tonight. We don't have time to talk about them all. But here's a couple. One of them is the legacy that it leaves in the mind. See, when we've been enslaved to anything, even a, a way of thinking, even a way of politically thinking or personally thinking or sexually thinking or, or educationally thinking or societally thinking, 
when we're raised in that, it, it leaves something in the mind. It, 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 there's a legacy that it leaves behind. And, and the problem was, although the children of Israel, you know, in, in the story of the prince of Egypt, got this deliverance from their slavery, so they got out of Egypt, it took 40 years to get that legacy of 430 years of slavery out of them. Now, now, I believe there's a miracle that does that quicker, but it comes from our understanding, which we'll try and deal with at the end, that we can come to a place where the legacy of the slavery is in our life, our slavery to thinking and attitudes and thought and, and bondage and religion can be broken off us. But, but see, these are one of the things we need to learn. This one, the legacy it leaves in the mind. Another is the attitude we carry from the experience. So some, sometimes what happens as I watch people, we overcompensate in life because we're wanting enough that we are free in our freedom to express our freedom. But what happens is because we never dealt with the legacy that was left in our mind and the attitude that we've carried from experiences we have had, we overcompensate. And I'm not saying that that is... It's not unrighteous, it's not, if we're going to talk right and wrong, it's not particularly wrong, but what it produces is not helpful because it's an overcompensation that's come from the attitude that we carried from an experience. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think of uh, Nelson Mandela, one of the things he wrote in The Long Walk to Freedom. Um, he talked about the day that he... Oh, there. Don't know what happened there, Phil. I'll grab the other mic if it does it again. Nelson Mandela in The Long Walk to Freedom, of course, which is his story of his early days and then his, his 27 years in Robben Island as a, as a prisoner of the apartheid system in South Africa. He, he said when he came out of the doors of Robben Island after 27 years, he was angry. He was unhappy. There was a legacy of 27 years of being wrongfully imprisoned just because of his race and his disquiet over the apartheid system. And he said as he walked to the car to get in the car, something came in his mind. He said all of a sudden he realized that if I do not forgive this, and if I don't forgive it for what it is, and I don't allow myself to move on a different spirit, I may have left the prison that was my bondage for 27 years, but it will never leave me. So that day, Mandela said, I pull down the shutters on that experience now, I will not allow it to still hold me in prison as if I was still there. And the problem is when we've had experiences that have hurt us and wounded us, and, and thoughts about society and issues, if we don't allow that same spirit to happen, what happens is you never, that prison is always in you. You might not be in that prison, but that prison is always in you. So we have to come to freedom, not just being free, by a very different way and a very different spirit. These can become the enemy of our own progress, these legacy in the mind and the attitude that we carry. Getting rid of the oppressor, does not in its own right create the solution to slavery. They can cause reactive decisions which are not conducive with the completing of our journey into freedom. Surviving freedom may be a greater challenge than surviving slavery. 
It needs a different spirit. Do you know what kind of religion most people prefer? The one that gives them just enough slavery to feel safe. But only enough freedom that they can run back into the slavery when they feel somehow somebody's not pleased with them or God's not pleased with them or they're not pleased with themselves. But when you bring in freedom, actually it's hard to run a successful church in a spirit of freedom. Because then we, the things that we rested in, our own unworthiness and God's forgiveness and, and Christ's death and, and we can just fall into that rather than the emergence of the Christ in us the hope of glory being the expression of our lives, it's much easier. We, we, we like a little bit of slavery, whether you believe it or not. We like a little bit of slavery. We feel more secure with slavery. Surviving freedom may be a greater challenge than surviving slavery. Because first and foremost, you have to think differently. Some people believe that they're thinking and thinking differently when they're merely rearranging their prejudices. Don't let's be you and me, okay? Thinking differently is not merely rearranging your prejudices to have different prejudices than the prejudices you had before. All prejudice has to go. Okay, so, we're doing all right. We'll, we'll bring this to a close. So what is the kind of freedom I want to promote and uphold? What is my intention? What, what are my hopes? What are my concerns? Let's start with my concerns. My wife's very aware of these. Too many people want to be free but not responsible. So we take freedom as license, thinking that with that freedom there comes no responsibility and then the challenge becomes... What should I be responsible to and for and in what way and to what degree, even though I am free? And of course, the big thing comes because I now do what I do, not because I have to, but I do what I do because I want to. The freedom to do or be something does not buy that freedom automatically make it beneficial. How do I determine whether it is or isn't? Well, here's something else Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. And he said this in, in chapter 6 and chapter 10 as we read it. One is about sexuality and the other one is about interaction with the culture. And Paul says, staggering, I mean, he, I, think, I think most... Um, Probably most common narrative preachers would like to erase this from the text or, re, or re, um, redefine it as to what Paul meant to say. Because Paul says everything is permissible. Everything is permissible. Everything is permissible. Three times in each chapter. Everything is permissible. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. That's the kind of freedom. Hey guys, everything... It's permissible. I echo the words of Paul today. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Now, that's, that's the maturity of freedom. Not everything will benefit you just because you're free to do it. 
Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Not everything will build something in your life. Some of it will rob you of things in your life. And he says, everything is beneficial, but I won't be mastered by anything. In other words, everything that's permissible, it doesn't mean that it will not master you. So some things you're perfectly free to do will ultimately become your master. And then the very slavery you were trying to get away from and bondage you back in again. Do you understand what I'm saying? He also says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. That's your call. We want you to be free. But do not use your freedom, and I'm, I'm going to do the Anth Chapman translation here because it's better. Do not use your freedom as a means to indulge your selfish ego. Rather serve one another in love. Okay, won't say any more about that. So that's what my concerns are. What are my hopes? My hopes are that we will be allowed to play a part. This is we. Q will be allowed to play a part in the untangling which is necessary for freedom to have its full effect. We want to help you in the untangling. The hope is that we help you live from a non-binary, non-dualistic perspective where spirit is given its rightful place. I love what Jenny brought in about three-dimensional. That's another one. I'm stealing that one. Binary, dualistic, three-dimensional. Life should be three-dimensional, not two-dimensional. So what is the kind of freedom I want to promote and uphold? Well, let me just summarize it in three things. Freedom to love. Unconditional, directional, freedom to love. Freedom to love, and I'm going to shock some of you with this, freedom to love who you love. Because all things are permissible, not all things are beneficial, but all things are permissible. And the freedom we're promoting and we're upholding is your freedom to love. Feel free to love anybody you want to love as free as you can possibly be let you have the proper freedom of non-entanglement to love people I understand some of the complexities of that I understand some of the issues of for example the Black Lives Matter and the, and the issue of you know when, when black people are being oppressed it's important to understand their oppression and not dilute their oppression into everybody else's oppression and I get that and I believe that and I absolutely buy 100% into that but within all that then as that spreads it has to spread beyond that to say actually love goes into that and then love goes beyond that because that's the only way we fully fix and fully heal the whole situation freedom to love second one freedom to live I don't think I ever felt that I had that freedom when I was growing up in church the freedom to live Chris had it much less than me and some of you have had it much worse but this freedom is freedom to live I trust you if you just live by the issue that everything is permissible, not everything's beneficial, some things will want to master you, you figure it out. Why? Because you catch the spirit of freedom, not just the action of freedom. You don't need me to tell you what you can and can't do, because that's the action of freedom. What you need is the spirit that is within you that helps you understand the spirit of freedom, and that will help you and guide you, because there is a spirit within you that is the spirit of the Christ if you let it come. So freedom to love, freedom to live. And this last one, freedom to let. 
Let it go. Let people be. I love the narrative. I've told you about Scripture. It's amazing. Narrative of Scripture in the beginning. God looks into it all, and here's how the Hebrew writers recorded it. God said, let there be light. Let that, you have to let it. If you don't let it, it can't. Some things you just have to have the faith and the confidence to let it. Let there be light. Let people be who they are, but let's be it in the love and let's be it in the life and let's be it in the freedom spirit that we talked about. And as we do that, the truth is you'll find that that will actually bring us together, not tear us apart. All right, I'm going to finish because I've, I've, I've had my stint. You got your money's worth. <laughs> Eckhart Tolle, my wife will look at me now and say, you don't like him. <laughs> I do. I just don't understand everything he says. Let me finish with this. Eckhart Tolle said, all the things that truly matter, beauty, love, faith, hope, and inner peace, and can I put in there true freedom, arise from beyond the mind. I want you to grasp that. They all arise from beyond the mind. They come from another place. Your mind can only think binary, dualistic, two-dimension, right and wrong, good and evil, in, out, for, against. But all of these beautiful things do not come from the mind. They come from beyond the mind, that spirit. They come from the spirit of the Christ, right? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It has to come from beyond the mind. And I, troll that you, I hope that you will grasp that tonight and you allow that to happen. True freedom also comes from beyond the mind. So here's what I wanted to say to you. Find the place of freedom, untangle from the past, and as Paul says, stand fast in that. Dig your heels in, in that place, and say, if we dig our heels in in this place, that freedom, which is the real freedom because it has spirit, will pour out in love, it'll pour out in life, it'll pour out in letting, and it'll pour out in healing, and we will find that inner strength that becomes an outer flow that begins to bind us together with that very spirit that Paul was talking about, which comes from the Christ. Father, help us to grasp this, to get it, and to be people who are completely free, or as the old Bible says, that who the Son makes free are free indeed, and that where the Spirit of the Lord, where that Spirit is, there is true liberty, there is total freedom. I pray it will touch all of our lives tonight, so that we will not only see a difference, but we will be the difference because of the freedom that floats through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're done. Song. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.